0: You're listening to Connect Communities Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. If you'd like to know more about our community, stop by our website at www.connectcommunity.tv. Enjoy the message. All right, we're starting a new series today. I'm excited about it. It's called Revival. We're going to be in this series for four weeks, and we're going to talk about this idea of reviving our spirit the message i want to share with you today though i'm titling it from death to life if you're taking notes and the title comes from this paradox that exists in the lives of those who try to live for god and i believe that if you're here today if you're watching today You're doing so because you want to connect to God. There's something in you that says, I need to connect to God. I need to be around people that are godly. I need to be around people of faith. I need need something positive in my life. I need God in my life. And there's this paradox in those who believe in God and seek a life of faith in Christ uh, that is the idea that life leads to death, but death leads to life. And if you think about it, it sounds like a contradiction. Sounds like a, a, a that's why it's a paradox, because how can life lead to death? And how can death lead to life? But if you think about the things that were presented every day that we're offered and we're led to pursue in the world, we're presented with things that have the promise of life. We are presented with the idea that if you're popular, If you get more followers, if you get people to watch your life, if you gain popularity, then all sorts of opportunities will open to you and you will will arrive at great wealth which will bring you life. Attractiveness. If you look good, if you you look in a way that people will look at your body or your personality, the way that you present yourself, if you're able to seduce people and make them like you, then you will find fulfillment, and then you will have life. Money. If you give your life for money, if you live your, give your life to gather as much wealth as possible, then you will have access to things, and you will be respected, and then you will have life. And the list goes on of things that are presented to us in the world that are supposed to lead us to life, but actually don't. Revival in some circles, might be not a word uh, that's attached to something positive. If you grew up in church, you might have some weird connotations and relations to the word revival. Maybe it's positive. But for most people in the world, revival just means to bring something back. Theaters do this a lot. They, they do revival of old plays and old movies and old things that they bring back and, and, and people get to experience it. But in the biblical sense... The idea of revival, the experience of revival, is to give something or someone the life that it was always supposed to have. The life that thing was always meant to have. And the stories and the prayers that we find in scriptures are, are, are prayers and stories that do not, do not bring a revival to just anything. Revival is not experienced by just anything in the scriptures. They show restoration, they show restitution, they show justice, but they show it with the life of God, making things right again for those who experience it. We see it in the life of Jacob when his son Joseph, uh, uh, when he discovered that his son Joseph wasn't dead, but actually was running Egypt. Scripture scripture says that his spirit revived within, within him. There's a psalm, like many other psalms, but there's a psalm. That is uh, found in uh, chapter 85, verses 6 and 7, where the psalmist prays the following. He says, Will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you? Notice, show us your steadfast love, O Lord, and grant us your salvation see this wasn't a prayer that God would revive their own desires that God would revive their own dreams their own wishes but it's a prayer that asks for revival so that the joy of God's life would enter their soul so that the joy of God's presence would be experienced and then they would find salvation it's something very distinctive because they had all the stuff they had all the money and the access and all of that was there And it was that that led them to despair. It was those things that the world offers that led them to the place where they needed God to rescue them from. And the truth is that life without God leads to death. Something that we now all need to understand. And this truth is not only found in the stories of the scriptures, but it's found in the stories in this room as well. Stories in your, uh, from your family members, people that you know, their stories where the life that they 're seeking to live, seeking to live without God leads to death, because our ways can lead to death, our desires are mixed up with trouble, our ambitions they 're marred they 're marred with selfishness, and somehow we set out to do good somehow we set out to do the right thing and somewhere along the way, things just unravel. I don't know if you've experienced that, but that's because we, as human beings, we can't separate the good from the bad on our own. We need help. We don't have the power or the clarity of mind to figure out which way leads to heaven on earth and which way leads to hell on earth. We all want to aim to heaven on earth. We want heaven on earth. But so often, what we experience is hell on earth. And so what starts like looking something full of life ends up in death. And we see this all around us. People who are still married, but the marriage is no longer alive. People who are still dedicated to their careers, but that, that joy, that life that came <clears throat> with the mission. That once ignited them to pursue that career. The mission of the business or the calling or, or the job is no longer that there. That thing is no longer alive. The friendship at school that started uh, a life-giving, it was, it, was, it was illuminating. It was warm and fun. Now, it's filled with gossip. It's filled with jealousy. It just unraveled. Why? Because we don't have the tools to separate good from bad until it's too late scripture says in Proverbs chapter 16 25 that there is a way that seems right to a man or a woman but its end is the way to death and this is so truth true but not always though right because sometimes the way is clear like when somebody comes to you and says they have a business opportunity that will make you hundreds of dollars you know that's not that's the way where my money goes to die. Or somebody, you get an email from, from a prestigious person. The king of Zamunda emails you and tells you you got you to help rescue his son who's lost in Queens. You know, some people are getting the reference. You know, <laughs> I love that reference. <laughs> you know not to reply to the king of Zamunda because he got plenty of dough. You know that that's the way that leads to death, in a, in in a in a sense. See, some situations are clear, and because some situations are so clear, sometimes we get we get confused and we get overly confident, and we think that that clarity is true for everything. So we go all in on certain situations, and then and then they unravel, they blow up, and we go, man. I wasn't counting on that. I wasn't counting on that. It's happened to all of us. That's because, if you think about it, we must admit this, that virtually every regret we have, if you go back, if you think about it, every regret we have started with a good idea or a good intention. You you were aiming at the right thing. We all get to the point where you thought you were doing the right thing, but you ended up hurting the person you love most. You thought you could trust that person, but they ended up just using you. You thought you were contributing toward gain. You thought that you were contributing, but in fact, you were the reason why loss happened. And with that hurt, with that pain, with that loss, with those experiences, with the disappointment, comes death. The death of possibilities, the death of a dream, the death of of something that was once alive in you is no longer alive and you just give up. Let me ask you this. What areas of your life need revival today? What areas of your life need to be revived again? Do you need revival in friendships? Do you need revival in your marriage? Do you need revival in your outlook Maybe you can't see a week ahead and the idea of a new year is just overwhelming because you've gone through so much, especially in the past 20 months. Do you, do you need revival in your spirit to come alive again, to love God again, to feel called again for something magnificent and amazing? Do you want to dream again, be inspired again? To a God revival in us does not begin with the manifestation of the perfect idea of life that we have. A God God revival in us does not begin with the manifestation of the picture we have in our minds or the dreams we have in our own minds. In fact, the first step toward revival is death. And that's the paradox. That's the paradox. I'm not talking about the death that happened uh, because you chose the life that the world offers you. I'm not talking about the death that happened because you made decisions and you found yourself in a place of despair. I'm talking about the intentional act of presenting your life before God and saying, Lord, not my will, but your will. Not my desires, but your desire. Not what I want, but what you want in my life. We have to recognize that our way of life leads to death that our desires produce death, that our ambition is marred. And you may say, J.D., maybe not everything. I love my brothers, my siblings. I love my children. You can't say that 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 leads to death. Maybe not everything. But I have to say this, even though this is strong, I have to say this. Your love without God is not pure. And at some point, the love that you think that's pure is going to get mixed up with a, a, a kind of a level of manipulation is going to get mis- mixed up with a manifestation of control it's going to get mi- mixed up with a manifestation of of selfishness or or jealousy and it might not be directed at the people you love but somehow something messy is going to happen if it hasn't already we all go through that why because We need God's love. We need God's way in our life. Without God, our ways lead to death. So revival. Revival begins with the recognition that God is God. And only He is God. And we're not. That His ways are better. And that we need His ways and not our ways. That's why we're starting this 21 days of fasting and prayer today. Scripture says this in Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Very well-known scripture. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, and that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. This is what we want. This is what we aim at. Every single day, we want what is good. We want what is perfect. We want what is acceptable. But somehow, we miss it. And what Paul is saying is that we can only get it when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice of worship. That's why it's so valuable to come together. That's why I believe God is going to honor you today because you chose to come together to worship, to present your bodies, to raise your hands and say, God, my heart is yours. My life is yours. I'm positioning my body and my life in a way that I am choosing you. Not this world, not the things that are being presented to me, but you. And in doing that, when you present yourself, you are not conforming yourself to the world. You're conforming yourself to the image of God and what He has for you. And in that process, He brings His life. And these 21 days of prayer and fasting will do that. Is you presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. We're going to offer up to God our minds. We're going to offer up our hearts and, and place it in God's presence. And we will say, God, not our will, but your will. Not our desires, but your desire. Not what we want, but what you want. Not my, my ambitions, but I want your purpose. And no matter your age or stage of life, this is such an important pra- practice. Like I said, it's vital in the beginning of the year, because this is the the time of the year where we're making changes, we're making plans. See, this is what happens when a person catches a glimpse that life, and when I mean life, I mean what the world offers, what our flesh desires, the things that we think are good, can lead to death. That person is left with a level of anxiety and despair. And some of you, you've experienced that. You might have not, have not articulated this way, but you've experienced that because you've made a choice that you thought was going to lead to life, and it unraveled. The relationship didn't work out, and, and, or the business went under, or uh, the career didn't work out, or the studies that you were doing just didn't work. And now you're placed, you're placed in a position where, should I re-engage life that way? I don't want to get hurt again. I don't want to get brokenhearted again. I don't want to. I don't want to go down that path. I thought I was going in the right path, and look at what happened. I don't want to do that again. And that's that's what happened to all of us. It happens to all of us. If you've had suffering and regret in the past, I have good news for you. Because Jesus came for this very reason. Jesus came so that we may find salvation and life in him and here is where death leads to life at the encounter of our lives with christ because as we present our bodies as a living sacrifice and we engage the scriptures and we pray and we say no to the flesh what we're doing we're consciously laying ourselves down we're consciously offering our lives as a sacrifice we're consciously dying to self and in that process something beautiful Happen. See, death to self is a constant process in the life of those who desire God's life. I don't care how long you've been in church. If you're not dying, you're not living. You might be in church, have been in church your whole life. If you're not dying, you're not living. You're not finding that life in, in God. Because for God's life to occupy your existence, for God's life to manifest itself in your life, you have to put your desires. Under the submission of God, under his, submit your desires to God. Your desires have to die. See, back in 2003, a few years ago, Aline and I were recently married. We were just about to celebrate our first anniversary, and we uh, I, I, were approaching it, and, but my spirit was unsettled. I wasn't at peace. It had nothing to do with our marriage. That was great. But I wasn't at peace. Something was bothering me. I felt like I, we had hit a season in life that needed a change. So I decided to fast. It's a practice that I grew up with. And so I decided to fast. And I, I believe it was a seven-day fast that I did at that time. And so I was praying. And you got to know that I grew up Pentecostal, okay? Uh, in a Pentecostal, like when you're a 20-year-old Pentecostal, if you're not screaming, you're not praying. So I would pray like passionately. My prayers are still passionate, but I was praying passionately. I was like, God, my spirit is not at peace. I'm not settled. I don't know why. I need your direction, God. Will you do your will in my life? Like, God, I just, I need a light. I need you to show me something. And back then, Alini and I were youth pastors at my dad's church, and our future was pretty much set. I was going to work for my dad's company. I I managed one of his ice cream shops, and... I was going to work for the company, make some money, get us a nice place to live, and, and then eventually I would take over the church from my dad. My dad is a pastor. He planted a church. He's been a pastor for many years. And that was the, 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 the route that was assumed. We never really talked about it, but everybody just assumed. I have two other brothers, and the assumption is that my older brother was going to take over the, the, the business, and I was going to take over the church. But that week... Everything changed. Everything changed because in that season of fasting and prayer, God woke me up in the middle of the night. I thought I just couldn't sleep. I thought it was hot and couldn't sleep. And it was February, which is summer in Brazil. And so I, I got up in the middle of the night, 2 a.m., and I, I go to my living room. And then I realized this is God waking me up. And I put my, my knees to the ground, my face to the ground, and I just started praying. Like in that tiny apartment, I knelt down and I to the ground and I said, God, God, I need you. Do you know that God listens when you pray? He listens when you pray. When you come to God as a child of God, he listens. God answers when you consecrate yourself to him. He answers. When you pray with an open heart and you say, "God, I'm your child. I need you." He answers because he cares for you. And he will he will visit your life and he will give you guidance and he will open windows of possibilities and and opportunities if you surrender your heart to do His will. And that day was a day that changed everything. See, here's what we need to realize. The day we realize God's will for our lives will bring the best outcome we could ever imagine is the day we will be open to revival. Is the day we will desire revival. See, the problem is that you, we, don't, we don't surrender because we, we don't really think that God's will is better than our will. We think that we have it all figured out. If we could just get rid of the negative, then we'll be okay. But I got to tell you, God's plan is much better than what we could envision. And the day we realize that, that's when we'll desire revival. And that was my prayer. I said, God, I don't want to do my will. I want your will. Uh, what do i know i can't design my life what do i know i don't know my, about the future i know i have big dreams that you put in my heart but i don't know how to make them come to pass i want to do your will lord and uh, this is a turn paging moment in my life so will you reveal yourself to us and and in that moment as i was praying i just i heard a whisper not out loud but just in my spirit just houston and it was so odd it was so random and so odd, but it's just Houston. And that whole week, I just heard in my spirit Houston, Houston. And so I started doing some research, connected to a friend of our family who actually knew a lot about Houston, Texas, and the rest is history. We ended up moving there, and God just unfolded an amazing, amazing um, sequence of events that, you know, now we see that it was his plan all along, obviously here's what I want you to understand. Death leads to life. My own plans that day had to die. As I knelt down, I had to, I had to say, Lord, all of this idea of my future that I have in my hands, it's, it's in your hands now. Ah, it's, it's what's expected, but I'm not committed to it. I'm committed to you, and I'm committed to your plan. And as I lay my life on the altar of sacrifice that day in 2003, I also uh, placed my dreams to build a life where we were. And without that moment, we wouldn't be here today. Without that moment, everything that we've done in this this country or, or everything that we've done together as a church probably wouldn't have happened. And I want to tell you, especially if you're a young person here in the room, open your heart to God's will and open your heart to His desire because He will lead you, He will guide you he will take your places. He will reveal himself to you and maybe maybe he won't ask you to move. I hope not. I don't want everybody to stay here, okay? <laughs> stay in Connecticut. Let's change the world here. But maybe he will. And if he does, take the step. Do what God has called you to do. See, revival starts when we lay ourselves down before Jesus and we say, do what you will, Lord. I have no business commanding my life. I have no business trying to take the reins of my life. I'll make a mess out of it. I have no business trying to control the outcome. Do your desire in my life. I will follow your lead. I will live like you with your peace, your grace, your level of integrity. Just guide my life and make it your own. Let me ask you this. Do you desire the life of God in you in 20? 22 do you want god to bring his life into your reality and your existence in 2022 are you willing to present your life before god in that way see god can't be a sunday activity god can't be a notion or an idea and we have a tendency to try to run away from our failures and and have our problems solved and then come to god for that which is good come to god to solve your problems but that's only partial surrender that's treating god as a medic know how we treat a medic we have a problem we call we go in and we have that resolved and then we come back again when, when there's a problem that's not having god as the lord of our lives and lord of all like I said, it's not wrong to come to God when you have a problem. Come to God when you have a problem. But so often what we do is we have a premeditated plan. We say, when everything is resolved and when everything is good, I'll regain control of my life and I'll be able to do what I want. That's not Jesus' proposition. I'm sorry to disappoint you today. But that's not Jesus' proposition. Jesus leads us to surrender our whole life to Him. Not just the bad parts. Not just the parts that we consider the bad parts. And too often we come to God and we say, God, you can have it. You can have my promiscuity. You can have my greed. You can have my troubles. You can have my worries. You can have my anxiety. You can have all the crud. But I'm going to hold on to the good parts. I'm going to hold on to what I like. I'm going to hold on to what I value in this life, revival, doesn't work unless we give God our whole selves. Unless we give Him our all. This is what Jesus said. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Verse 25 says this, For whoever would save his life and lo- will lose it, But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Here's the paradox. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? That's the value that God puts in your life. Nothing is worth your life. Nothing is worth more than your life. Jesus is saying that right here. And so he came for your soul. He doesn't want your stuff. He wants your soul. And the way Jesus sees you, see, we see ourselves in a broken mirror because we see our deficiencies. We see our sin. We see all the stuff that that makes things wrong. And that's a motivation to seek God. Of course it is. But when Jesus sees you, he sees a son and a daughter that he's created that he's formed and he sees you with all of the potential, with all of the beauty, with all of the things that he's created you for. He sees you as an instrument of good and positive things and joy in the world, Something that can, someone that can change existence for the better. And so when he sees your life, he sees what he can do with you if you're fully surrendered. Martin Luther, the 16th century monk, he drew a parallel between these, the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the tree that Eve ate from in, the, in Genesis, uh, and the cross. And this is the parallel that he points out to. He says that the living tree that had the pleasant fruit that Eve ate from leads to death. And that's what we do so often with our decisions. It's always, it always looks good. It always looks pretty and nice. But it is the dead tree, meaning the cross, it is that dead tree, upon that dead tree, that we find life. When we, when we are willing to surrender our lives and carry our cross, every day we find the life that God has for us, the, God, the life that we, were always meant, that we were always meant to live. And your cross is not something that you pick the cross that you are meant to carry is a cross that God himself puts upon you as he calls you to follow him. When Jesus said that we should all pick up, take up our cross, he's not talking about us self-flagellation, us like carrying a difficult life. He's saying, I have a burden for your life. There are some decisions there you're going to have to make that will cost you. And that's the cross that you need to carry. So the question is, are you willing to lose your life? Are you willing to to lose your life? Not, Not just your sin, not just the negative parts. Are you willing to come with your whole life to the presence of God and lose it? Because that's how you will find the life you're looking for. Here's a question that will help you sort out if you're willing or not. Can you save your soul? Can you save your soul? I know you've been trying. Can you save your soul? Can you save your soul from despair? Can you save your soul from anger? Can you save your soul from all the the sin that so often takes and grabs a hold of us? See, I had had an intimate moment with God this week while I was driving to Costco. I always knew that Costco had a special anointing. Costco is hollow ground. I love Costco. I don't know if you can tell. You can find everything there. It's awesome. But on my drive to Costco, I had this this moment with God and I was listening to a song in one of the lines. I was by myself in the car and one of the lines of the song says, wait on the Lord, wait on the Lord. He will renew your strength. So wait, I say. And when that line, he will renew your strength came on, I was flooded with the presence of God. It just hit me. It hit me so strong, and I burst into tears in the car. I'm crying like ugly. I'm having this moment with God. I just like, uh, you know, have you seen that clip? Like, with the guy. Uh, this is me, like, driving the car. Oh, my God, what's happening right now? Am I having a breakdown? <laughs> I kind of, like, got out of my body, and I had this experience that I'm looking at myself and going, like, what's happening to you, man? But it was, I was just flooded with this 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 sense of the presence of God right there in my car, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm crying, and I started praying. I started praying. I said, God, I need your strength. I need your, I need your strength. This has been, these have been hard 20 months. And I need your strength to lead this church. I don't know how to do it. I need your strength to lead the people, th- 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 your strength to help them, to help the people in our city. Like, I need your strength. Because I don't want you to suffer. I don't want your marriage to suffer. I don't want you to be broken-hearted. I don't want you to live through life in a way that it's miserable. And so I was filled with, with this sense of purpose, because I don't want you to live without your purpose. I don't want you to experience hell in, in this world. But I want you to experience what Jesus came to bring, heaven. And and in my heart, like I'm praying and I I see you. I see you trying. I see you wanting. I see you you coming to church and and trying to get involved and trying to do things. But I also see in so many the spirit dimming And, and the sense of calling just going numb. And maybe just moving, going through the motions and thinking, maybe, maybe today I'll come alive again. And maybe today I'll see a spark, but I just got to keep going and I got to keep going. And it's been a season of trying for so many. And in my heart, I was just praying, God, will you send revival to our city? Will you send revival to our families? Will you breathe your life? Because that's the only solution for the world that we're living in. For the, the, the things that we see, my God, there's so much brokenness around us. I, that day I was going to Costco, I was in line, and a fight just broke out in line. One lady had her mask down drinking a sip, and somebody yelled at her because she pulled her mask down to take a sip of her drink. And all of a sudden, everybody's yelling. And I'm like, Jesus, there's been no... No sense of of oneness will you bring revival, Lord. And that's my prayer for all of us. That instead of hell, we will experience heaven. And my desire is that in these 21 days that God will break the silence in your life if you haven't heard from Him, if you haven't felt like you're close to God, or maybe things have been hard that you will see breakthrough in your life, in your family, in your relationships, in your finances, in your career, that God will come down from heaven and revive your soul, and you will have a sense in your spirit that He is alive and in you, and you'll bring life to your realities. See, we all have to carry our cross. I carry my cross every day from that decision I made in 2003. See, my parents are are growing old now and I I don't get to be with them. I live really far away from my family. My brothers and my sister, whom I love, I haven't lived with them in 20 years and we have a great relationship, but that's the cross that I carry. And moving here to, St- to Stanford, there's another cross that we carry, too, because we made friends in Houston. And Alini's family that's in Houston, who is my family. I consider them my blood, my brother and sister-in-law. I don't get to see my nieces and my, and my, my nephews grow up. And that's my cross. This is what I'm telling you. Like, there will be Sacrifices. That you will have to make when God calls you. And some of you, you you're in the same position because you're here and your family's far away. And you think, man, what am I doing here? You don't even realize that God called you here. God called you here for a purpose. You're not here by chance. And God is trying to use you in this reality, in this moment. When you choose to lay your life down and you answer to the call of God, there will be things that you will need to sacrifice. But here's what I can tell you today. We wouldn't change our decision to obey God not for one bit. We have never regretted it because God has blessed our lives in so many other ways. We wouldn't change our decisions to, made or, to lay our lives down one bit. God has given us a life full of beauty and friendship. And it's the right, it's the right kind of suffering. You understand? Like, it's the right kind of suffering. There will be pain in life. This is not a promise of a pain-free life. Revival doesn't mean that all of a sudden you won't have any pain. You will have troubles. You will have circumstances that you will face. But it is a promise of a disaster-free life. you understand? Your life is not going to be a disaster. The kinds of trial that you suffer when you, when you obey God brings you closer to Him. The kinds of trials that you suffer when you, when you follow God's, God's lead, it brings you closer to your purpose, to your destiny. Your life gets better. It moves you forward. They don't carry the weights and the despair and the destruction of sin. That's a different kind of suffering. You don't want that kind of suffering. You don't want that kind of pain, the pain that sin brings, because that's, that leads you straight to hell. What obeying God and listening to the Holy Spirit does, it brings you closer to God and closer to heaven on earth. And I got to tell you, from my testimony today to you, I've had many regrets in my life. But I've never regretted praying and fasting to God. I've never regretted putting my life in His presence and allowing my broken, inadequate life to be a small part of your testimony, to be a small part of your story and your relationship with God. I've never regretted putting God's will ahead of my own. It's always been better for me and for my family. God's will has always been the best choice. And I believe that the Lord wants to revive your life and your soul today. That in these next days as we go through this series and we go through the 21 days of fasting and prayer, that the first step of you understanding what a life with God will look like is that in this process you will understand that some parts of you will have to die. That you have to put yourself and come to God with your whole life. And as you understand that, as you understand that most likely the life that the world, not most likely, surely the life that the world offers you will lead you to death. On the other hand, what looks like death which is living for God. I'm not going to paint it with a sugar brush. Living for God looks like death from the outside. But as you sacrifice your life and you bring it in love, willingly to the presence of God, you will be revived with a new kind of life and you will be full of the life that you were always meant to live. And you will have a sense of satisfaction, of wholeness. That will give you the energy and the strength to fight every battle, to conquer every circumstance and to, and to continue on to live the purpose that God has for you because you know that you are not here by chance but you are called to be here. So are you ready for revival to break in your life this year? Amen. Worship team, you guys can come. We're going to pray and end right now. Let me pray for you. I'm going to pray for you that this may be a a a, a a moment, a, a month where God's presence will just be strong in our lives. We're so glad that you're here with us today, starting the year. I'm going to pray for you, God. You see your people. You see every heart, every circumstance, every family, every this, every sense of of. Desperation, Lord, every sense of anxiety, every person here, Father, who might be satisfied with their lives, but they want more from you. They want more of you, Father. Maybe people who are here, Jesus, and and they, they don't they, they can't see the future. Everything is foggy. Lord, in every circumstance, as different as they may be, will you breathe your life? Will you bring your reality, Lord? And, and will you inundate? every single person here with your faith that they may know that you were for them that they may know that you will love them and that it is your desire like you said in john three sixteen, that god so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish god you don't want us to perish That's why this whole thing is presented to us. So I pray for every person here, Lord. Lift their spirits. Give them the faith that they need. Direct their lives, Lord. Direct their steps. God, breathe healing into everybody right now, Lord. Everyone who needs a manifestation of healing in their physical bodies, I pray, Jesus, that by your stripes... You may send healing and restoration to every person in Jesus' name. Father, if they need a financial breakthrough, if if people need a job or opportunities, Lord, will you do it for them? Will you be Jehovah Jireh and present yourself as the person who opens the door for every person here, Lord, who is seeking an opportunity to provide for their family or take the next step in their lives? And if there's a relationship that's broken here, Lord, that needs mending, would you bring your wisdom and your healing power to every relationship, Lord? In Jesus' name, we offer our lives to you. Amen.